Thank you, thank you. Good job. Good morning, Banner. Everybody doing well? Goodness, the presence of God was so strong this morning. You ain't feel that? Just felt maybe you need to come up in the front with us because it sure felt strong up here. Man, you're looking good, you guys. Just turn your neighbor and smile. Don't say anything, just smile at him. Isn't that awkward? <laughs> oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we got some news for you. You guys ready for some news? The Sappingtons are officially East County residents. We've left the West Valley. We're now in the East Valley. Sold our house. We, uh, this week we took uh, a lot of time to... How many, how many hate moving? Please just be honest. Oh, man. Just stretch your hand towards me right now. And just say, Father. Just, you, you just get worn out, don't you? And it feels like just when you think you've about got it, you walk into another space or a room, and you're like, where did that come from? Like, I could have sworn we put that in the trailer. And now it's just multiplied. It's just nonstop. So we are out, and we are in our travel trailer. That's where uh, Candy is this morning. She is unpacking. It was so hot in this trailer, it would not cool down. So our dog is a little Pomeranian. His name is Smokey. He does not look like, he has no smoke color whatsoever. I just want you to know that. None. But when he, when he first got him, he was very smoke colored. Now he's like orange. It's like a hairdo gone bad. I mean, it really is just, and he's, uh, we're just a little bit concerned about him this morning because it was so hot. So she's there unpacking the trailer and um, wishes she could be here. But anyway, are you guys ready? This is, I mean, listen, it's really an honor to have two weeks in a row with you guys. So thank you for um, your willingness to listen. And I, I, I want you to know just uh, this morning, I'm, I've been thinking about this topic. We've been in the series, pretty sure this is the last week of the series, cultivating. And we've been going through just different aspects of how to cultivate or walk with God, intimacy with God. You know, last week we talked about uh, cultivating passion right? You, you cannot grow in your walk with Jesus without having passion. Impossible. You can't be lukewarm. You can't be like halfway and expect to be this person that people recognize as a Christ follower. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's true. I promise you that. When you see someone that's passionate about Jesus, you're attracted to him or sometimes people are repelled by it. But nevertheless, at least they know where you stand as it comes to your, your pursuit of knowing Jesus. So uh, we've been in this cultivating. And so this morning, I'm going to spend a few minutes and attempt to talk about cultivating a missional life. Cultivating a missional life. How many understand what mission is? How many see Mission Impossible? The last one. Anybody see it? Five of you. All right. It was really good. But we all, believe it or not, we all have a mission to fulfill. And I want to talk this morning not so much about specifically what your mission may be. Now, let me just throw this to the side for a moment and say to you that it's every one of our missions. It's all, all of our, we're all to be a part of a mission for Jesus to do this. Our mission should be to tell the world about Jesus Christ, to bring the kingdom of God to the earth and advance the kingdom. Yeah. Jesus speaks more about the kingdom than anything else, really, in my opinion, in the New Testament. So it's all about the kingdom of God. 
Now, separate from that even, which is what I would say should compel us, move us, is this. You actually have a call or a destiny upon your life in which you're the only one that can fulfill. A purpose, if you will. I'll use the word mission because that's what our topic was, cultivating a missional life. But let us spend a few moments this morning and talk about this missional life. Because I think it has huge ramifications as it relates to your life. Some of you, you don't have to respond to this, but some of you are in a vocation. You make a living doing what you do, but it doesn't bring you the greatest amount of satisfaction and or fulfillment. Don't respond. All those things started going. Because it's, it's true. Matter of fact, statistically, a high percentage of people in the world today do not like what they do for a living. And yet they've gotten into it. Now they're making a living. They're making enough money to where that to, to get out of that, to do something that might be more missional would require, uh, you know, pay cuts, a lifestyle change, right? So in no way would I suggest that we've gotten it wrong, but I think we might have gotten it um, wrong. In that, I think that we have lost sight or maybe we never had the vision or the visual of what it was that Jesus was calling us into. I can't, um, I can't ever talk in any context, any group, any environment without telling you why I believe all this is so important. See, the church is important. When we gather on Sunday, it's 100% important that we're here together. 100% important that we look at you face to face. I hated COVID for that reason. I hated looking to a, a camera. I hated talking to the crowd in the camera I, I, because I want to see your face. I want to see your eyes. I want to be able, if allowed, to hug you. I want to high five you. I want to be around you because that's what family does. I don't want to see my grandkids and, and then from a distance go, hey, how you doing, Grayson? How you doing, Bexley? How you doing, Zayden? And they're like, we love you, Papa. Hey, Pop. No, I want them to run and jump in my arms and give me big old sloppy kisses and hug all over my neck because that's what family does. Now, my daughters don't do that. They're a little older now, but they do give me the hugs, not so much the sloppy kisses anymore, but they give me the hugs. They give me the affection. They give me the love, and that's what we do when we gather together as the family of God, yeah. right? So as we, as we gather, we gather with the purpose of glorifying God, but we gather with the purpose of also uh, coming together as family and growing closer as family, but also believing that God wants to bring an encounter to your life. So when you came in the building, you might lead different than you came in. That's what that song was talking about, the very first one. It's the idea that we believe that signs and wonders are not for the past, they're just there for today that we want to see God do something in your life, that someone goes, it, it, let's say there's a miracle happening in your life. Let's just say that uh, something significant, like let's say an eyeball that was not there is now back in place. There's a new eyeball that's appeared. You say, that's just strange. I promise you that this type of thing does happen in the world still in the name of Jesus. Signs and wonders, wonders that make you go, ah, that sign makes me wonder who is this God? How many of you know if you saw a leg grow out, it would cause you to wonder a little bit about the, the greatness of God? So why, why is it that we don't see more of this happening? Why is it? And this is a whole other topic, but I want you to understand that I can't help when I preach 
to at least touch on this, that I'm believing God for Banner Church to not be a cute church, although we are, to be a cool church, although we are, to be an amazing church, although we are. I want to believe God that he's going to use you as a church family to go outside these walls and do the things that Jesus taught. Greater things shall we do. And I don't know if anything's greater than raising someone from the dead. Greater things shall you do. I don't know if there's anything, but I'll tell you what I think, part of the context of that scripture, I think there'll be more of them happening. I think there'll be masses of people that are getting healed. I think stadiums are going, and we're seeing it now, people are gathering in stadiums in the name of Jesus, and they're seeing signs and wonders happen. You go to Africa, I promise you go to Africa, you go to South America, you go to third world countries where people don't have a Western mindset, they just have the faith to believe. If it says it in the Bible, I can believe it. So they say, if you can get healed, they step out of their chair, pew, whatever it is, they go to an altar and they get healed. Why can't we see this in America? Why can we not believe God for this in Arizona? Why can we not believe God for you to be used like that? The only thing holding us back is you. It's not the Father. Jesus is more than willing to partner with you and co-labor with you. He's just waiting for us to do our part. So that's a little side note because I want you to understand that I, 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 I never want to ever stand behind something like this, a pulpit, whatever, whatever and, and not touch on the fact that I believe God not only wants to grow Banner Church, not only do I believe he wants to use our influence as a congregation in the region, not only do I believe that God wants to use Pastor Josh and Katie to do great exploits for Jesus in this region, I do believe we prophesied over him before. We told Josh, we believe with all of our heart that God wants to raise him up. It's the farthest thing from his heart and desire, but I believe that's why God wants to use him to lead this church into things that other churches will not contend for. See, I know you're quiet on me because I think you're pondering this stuff, but I want to ex exhort you, put wind in your sail, and tell you you can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives you strength. There's nothing you can't do. Patrick, there's nothing you can't do. There's nothing you can't do, Marcus. There's nothing you can't do, Jordan. There's nothing you can't do, my friends. The only limitation is how we see ourselves as sons and daughters. Now, let's, let, me, let me take you real quickly back to cultivating a missional life. So a missional life is not necessarily a missional statement. Although those are good, seem like every, we have one, uh, organizations have them, and they're good for giving us direction, right? They're wonderful. It gives us riverbanks by which to direct our lives, to flow, to stay on point, stay on task. But a missional statement isn't necessarily 10 or 12 words. A mission statement is something that God drops inside your heart and is confirmed and affirmed by others that said, that's totally who you are. You need to live that life. You need to pursue that with everything you've got because it's in, it's in, in that you will find the fulfillment that the Father wants to bring. The Bible teaches us very clearly that we find complete satisfaction and fulfillment in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So don't respond again to this one. But how many of us would wake up in the morning and go, man, I feel 100% fulfilled in Jesus? It's an honest question. 
I can't tell you I always feel fulfilled. When I'm really tired, I'm really probably not digging the whole idea of thinking I got to spend time with Jesus in prayer and read the Bible and have a conversation when I don't feel like talking at all. Is that too honest? Just being honest. But let me tell you, it, 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 missional life is very specific. Do you think that Jesus had a mission? What, what do you think his mission was? Just give me some answer real quick. What do you think? What was Jesus' mission? What was that? Die for our sins? Yeah, good. What else? Huh? Yes. What'd you say it again? Save lives. Yes. What else? What's that? Teach. He built things. You're a carpenter. Yeah. All those things are right on. But I want to read for you something that's very specific about the mission of Jesus. None of those things are wrong. But look at first, uh, let's see, first Timothy. Let's just turn there real quick. All right, here we go. I lied. It wasn't first, it wasn't first Timothy, it's first John. And let me find it now. Sorry. It's important. I want to share this with you because I think it really sets the tone for a couple of things. I want to give you, in just a few moments, I want to give you four things. And these, these four things are, I would suggest to you, they're four things that you can utilize to contend for or figure out your mission. Your mission. All right, let me see if I can get it for you here. Well, I had it. Let me say it this way. It's in First John. I think it's chapter 1. If I'm wrong, you can correct me. But here's what the mission, part of the mission of Jesus was. Jesus' mission when he came to this planet was to destroy the works of the devil. Just chew on that for a second. To destroy the works of the evil one. How do we destroy the works of the evil one? Is it by casting out demons? Well, that, that works. That makes him unhappy. What do, you think, what do you think it could be that when we live a life that's missional, we live a life of purpose, we live a life of focus and intentionality, what do you think it means to destroy the works of the devil? I think it's important for us to understand that Jesus came for that purpose. If he came for that purpose, it seems to me that part of our mission ought to be to destroy the works of the devil. And I guess you have to believe that there's a devil if you have to destroy him. Does that make sense? So the Father wants to illuminate to us this morning the reality that if the evil one exists, he wants to do his very best, John 10, 10, the thief has come to kill, destroy, kill, steal, and destroy. And he's doing a pretty good job of it, if I might add. But the second part of 10.10 says what? But I have come that you might have life, abundant life. That's the life of a believer, abundant life. The evil one wants to destroy that. He wants to keep you from that. He wants to do whatever he can to convince you that your life does not matter, that you have no purpose, 
that this is all there is. You're just going to be born. You're going to grow up. At some point, you're going to die, and that's life. I have news for you. That's a lie from the pit, man. It's a complete farce. Jesus has called every one of us to be ministers, not professional clergy. Don't even know what that word means, but not professionals. He's called us all to live in the marketplace, to be ministers, and to live a missional life. You can live a missional life when you're serving coffee at a Starbucks or whatever coffee shop you go to, and Jesus can be the center of every single cup of coffee you make or you pour. And at some point, someone's going to ask you the question, why do you always smile when you pour or make that cup of coffee? And you know it's not because you always feel good, right? You know it's not because everything's perfect in your life. It's because of Jesus Christ, who's the center of our lives, who's giving you reason to live and hope to exist. See, it's my, my, my hope and my great expectation for you that we would be awakened to the real you. And as you're awakened to the real you, that God would help you to cultivate behaviors and patterns that would align you with his specific destiny for your life. I call it the sweet spot of purpose. I spent years in a small business I have called Sapping and Coaching. I spent years coaching executives, coaching pastors, coaching church people. Everyone wants to, to hang out with me. I coach them in this whole idea of, of the sweet spot of purpose. Everyone has one. Mission, if you will. The problem is most never pursue it, or we, we, we settle for something far less than what God ever intended for us or were capable of, of, of accomplishing. I've lived this for many years with an aching heart that I was not worthy to lead. I felt that for so long. I felt like there's, I'm not a worthy person. I'm, I'm just not good enough to be a good leader. A failure, not really capable of leading a church. Today's journey, where I am right now, is completely different than it was even 10 years ago. So context this morning is it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. You're, you're young in your faith or you're seasoned in your faith or somewhere in between. God wants to raise you up this morning to give you clarity of, of, of understanding that you were not created just to make a living by the job you're in and that's all there is. There's way more to it than that. And I believe, and I have to add this, I believe with all my heart that when we begin to let God's wind of his spirit blow on our hearts and begin to move inside of us and give him permission to do whatever he wants, he'll begin to craft and cultivate inside of you a very specific plan. See, you might, you might make a living uh, being an engineer. We talked about engineers recently. Being an engineer. But your real passion is feeding the homeless. So your fulfillment might not come to being an engineer. It, may, it might bring the money in. It might pay the bills. It might give you the house that you've dreamt, but it won't be the thing necessarily that brings you fulfillment because in that, when you serve a hot uh, you know, plate of food or some cold water to someone that's in need and you get great satisfaction for that, that's what I'm speaking to. That's mission. And if you're not doing that, you will be a person that will be miserable because you're not doing what God crafted you to do. Listen, if I took a survey real quick right now, a high percentage of you in this room would not be able to articulate your mission. 
And that's not wrong, but it's not right either. Because God's got so much in store, so much more for all of us in this room. It's just for us to ask and pursue. Okay, you're all right? All right. A number of years ago, um, I was introduced to a, a person through a mutual friend, and um, names don't matter, but, but my mutual friend, his name was Banning Leapshire. He, he started a, a worship movement, if you will, it's called Jesus Culture, and uh, now he's pastor church up in Sacramento. Anyway, we, we connected many years ago. Well, Banning one day said, hey, Barry, did I ever introduce you to this guy named Dave Gibbons? I said, no, we talked about it, but it never happened. So long story short, I met Dave. Uh, we lived in San Diego. He was in Orange County. We met for a quick cup of coffee. And little did I know that that meeting, that encounter was going to change my life. I sat down with Dave. Um, he is a, um, by way of, of birth and um, ethnicity background, he is born in South Korea, so he's a Korean American, but grew up in the States, amazing testimony, but let me get right to the point of why I felt like God wanted me to meet with this guy. So I met Dave through Banning, and some things came out of this, let me just give you very quickly why it meant so much to me. Um, Dave, in the, let's say, 90s, would have probably been known as one of the fastest growing churches in America. His church is located right there in, in Orange County, Southern California by Disneyland, where Rick Warren, the purpose-driven church, Saddleback was there, uh, and a number of other very large churches. He was in the middle of all that. His church was growing crazy fast, just growing fast. One Easter morning, they had rented what they call the Anaheim Convention Center. If you've been to Disneyland, it's the convention center across the street that looks like a giant spacecraft. You ever seen that? It's been there forever. I used to go there when I was a kid watching the Harlem Trotters play. It's kind of funny. Basketball team. But they rented that place out for Easter Sunday. So Dave is all ready to go to step out on the platform. He's got the headset on. The lights are going. The smoke machine's going. Everything's, the music's, you know, just going crazy. Everything's just going according to plan. The countdown begins. Dave, you got it? Ten, nine. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit spoke to Dave and he heard these words. There's more than this, Dave, for you. And then he's, <clears throat> this is the countdown. He's getting to walk out to and thousands of people. <clears throat> the countdown. And he stops, he goes, was that you, God? He said, Dave, that was me. And Dave's response was, what do you mean? So he goes out, he does Easter, Easter service. Again, fast forward, it's a long story, but fast forward. Dave ends up going to his board and saying, I think I need to resign. They convince him not to resign. <clears throat> they send him back to, his, to, I think it's Thailand, to take a year sabbatical with his family. While in Thailand, now here's what I want you to hear. While in Thailand, he is doing what he does. He's coaching people. He's got a small group going. I don't think he's resting a whole lot, but he was doing what he does. <clears throat> and Dave, excuse me, has this epiphany. Here's what the Lord revealed to Dave. He said, Dave, I'm going to introduce you to someone that's going to change your life, and here's why. So this man comes to a small Bible study. The guy introduces himself. The guy says, I'm a music producer. I'm a music, musician in the country, and um, I want to I know more about Jesus. 
will you, will you disciple me? They said, yeah, I'll be glad to disciple you, thinking this is just some guy that plays piano and sings. He goes online after the guy leaves and finds out this guy is like one of the number one vocalists, number one musicians in all of the country. Literally millions upon millions upon millions of people know this person by name. And the Lord said these words, and I want you to hear this, from my mission of life. He says to Dave, Dave, if you will love the one, if you'll love the outsider, if you'll love the outcast, if you'll love the one that no one else will love, I will bless you. He went home and he told his church these words. He said, we've been doing church wrong. Thank you so much. We've been doing church wrong for all these years. I want to repent. He lost a third of his church to all the bigger churches around. He lost another third of the church because they didn't want to, they didn't want to change. He was left with a third of the congregation he started with. And from those those, uh, those, those, those moments, the Lord began to use Dave in a whole different way. And here's, here's some takeaways that I got from meeting with Dave as he taught me about not church growth, but living a life on mission, on purpose. He said, I don't care about the thousands because I just care about the one. Here's a guy that's got thousands in front of him every Sunday still. But he says, I just want to love the one well. What's the scripture says? You can love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Remember last week? Mind, soul, and strength. But then the second part is what? Love your neighbor as your. So Dave said, it's time for us to learn who your neighbors are. How do we live a missional life? We live a missional life by understanding that God is not concerned so much about the size of our ministries, about the size of your ego, about the size of your bank account. He's really concerned that we understand what he's called us to. He's concerned that we're not to sit in a chair every single Sunday and believe it's for the professionals. Pastor Perry, Pastor Josh, they'll all take care of this stuff. No, we won't. Because if left up to us, things won't get done. You've got a circle of influence. You can love the one way better than I can because I don't have your circle of influence. I don't know the people you know. God's calling us to a different place. They've taught me some things about, about mission. He said, I, I, he taught me that there's more than one way to, to live the phrase Living supernatural, excuse me, living naturally supernatural. I can't take time to explain that, only to tell you that I believe in supernatural lifestyle. And in my mind, I thought it looked a certain way. He taught me a different way of seeing it. I felt I had permission when I left him to be myself and, and the family that God had called me to at that time. But he called me to teach our church family that part of our mission is to live in the public square, is to teach people that your mission is in part the marketplace in the public square. Our goal must be to go after the fringes of culture. How do we destroy the works of darkness? By going to the places where he's had dominion for so long. To go to those places where others say, I, a friend of mine would say it this way, I've mentioned it here before, but he said, churchgoers are so good at stepping over the marginalized, the paralytic to get to the house of God. Wow. I saw it this morning on the way here, a number of people that 
were in need of something. Let's put it that way. And I thought, I got to get to church. I got to I gotta go get the equipment. I got to pick up stuff, blah, blah, blah. That's what he's trying to teach me. I, I, I came away with small is the new big. You know why small groups are important? Because it's in small groups that you will find community. You will find your mission. You'll find how to love the one. Because in that group, you're going to find somebody that you don't like, you don't want to be with, you don't want to be around. And God's saying, that's your neighbor. That's the one I'm calling you to. That's the one I want you to love, learn to love. Don't you hate this? <laughs> who is your neighbor? And, and, and who are you learning to love that is, and lovely? I, I, I love Mr. Rogers. I didn't love him when I, when I was young. I love him a lot more now than I did when I was a kid. He was bored me stiff when I was a little kid. He was just boring. <laughs> but now I can really appreciate the dude and what he represented because in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, there was not a kid that he didn't welcome or embrace or love. Who's your neighbor? We moved into this house in Avondale that we just sold two years ago. I was determined. I was determined I was going to be friends with these neighbors. I've told you a little bit about this story. And I don't, think we, I don't think we succeeded. I really don't. I think we kind of failed at it. But nevertheless, my intent was I was going to get that neighborhood to love us like we were the mom and dad of that block. And it was the most difficult neighborhood I've ever lived in when it comes to developing a relationship, loving the one well. Got a coke addict over here, recovering coke addict, who didn't want anything to do with me, but eventually I got him talking to me. Eventually he let me help him wash his car, and, and then they moved. Okay. My point is what? It's time for us to ask the question, what's my mission? What am I to do? You see, if, if you understand that your journey, that, I'll say it this way, pain, pain is power. That when you've gone through something traumatic, you've gone through a difficult time in your life, your story is powerful. In the midst of your pain, when you come out the other side of that painful experience, your story matters to someone. If someone has gone through a traumatic, you know, divorce, at some point God brings healing, you'll have a voice to someone that's going through a traumatic divorce. If, some, if someone has had an abortion and you've happened to have had an abortion and God's brought you through that and brought healing and forgiveness and whatever we want to call it, he's brought you to a place of wholeness, you can help someone else that's going through a traumatic time. Does that make sense? Pain is, your, pain is powerful. So let me bring you back to this whole premise real quickly of the idea that God wants to craft inside of you a mission. I'm going to give you four design principles. We'll go quickly through and then we're going to go home. If, if taken seriously, take these four principles and you write them down and you pray into them, you begin to think about them, I believe with all my heart it could change your focus and it could change your intent and in how you live. These are four what I call transcendent. That word transcendent means going beyond ordinary limits, surpassing, exceeding, superior, or supreme. These are transcendent threads that will, will be interwoven in and through your life. Each thread is to be woven in and out 
of everything we do. The first one I want you to hear, now again, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving you the tools or the how-to to create your own mission. I'm giving you some principles that if your practices out of these principles, God will begin to reveal his heart for you. Number one, freedom. Freedom. In Genesis chapter one, verse 21 through 32, from the very beginning, I'm just gonna to touch on this, from the very beginning of time, the Bible teaches that we were to take dominion, rule over the earth. But what kind of hiccup that whole plan? A little thing called sin. I'm not gonna read the whole thing to you, but um, it's in verses 21 to 32. And I'm gonna read verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the far, excuse me, that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall, you shall have them for food. Verse 30. And to every beast of the earth, every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And it was evening, and it was morning the sixth day. My suggestion to you this morning is we understand Genesis chapter 1 is that the very, very beginning, it was always the intention of God in his creation to have freedom, that everything was available for you. The whole garden was available except for one tree. He made things for you to excel, to be free. There was no, Adam and Eve initially had no clothing. There was no shame. There was nothing there to keep them from serving God intimately. It was a perfect, I call it a perfect environment. The first transcendent thread you must understand is that God's calling you into freedom. He wants to remind you that you are free in Christ to walk the way he's called you to walk. Freedom, freedom. What he, what he, what he, what he created in the garden, he was, he, it was blessed. God saw everything he had made and said, behold, it's very good. Second transcendent thread I would give to you is found in Genesis 12, If we walk in freedom, how many of you know, if I said to you, if you had all the money in the world, no jobs holding you back, you could do whatever you want to do, what would you do? You have the freedom to pursue it. It's a good question. You say, well, that's not reality. No, but yet it is a bit of truth because the Bible teaches us that this first transcendent, this is... This is living beyond our comprehension of what freedom really looks like. This is living according to what the word is. Transcendent means surpassing, exceeding, superior, or supreme. God wants you to live in that realm of freedom. A lot of people around you right now are bound. Matter of fact, some of you this morning are bound in things. You say, how do you know that? Because any church this size, there's people in the room that have things in their life that are in bondage to you. It's just fact. That's not judgmental, it's just fact. Second thing, 
is the blessing. We find it in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Say blessing with me. Anybody like to be blessed? Blessing is fun. Here's what it says. I love this verse. And the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Say, you will be a blessing. So you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here's what I want you to know. You're blessed to be a blessing. When you begin to walk in freedom, you begin to understand the blessing of God. So you don't know what I have. I don't care what you have, to be honest. You are blessed. We are blessed. Because we know God, we have things on the planet that other people don't have. We are a blessed people. And it says in Genesis chapter 12 that we are blessed to be a blessing. It's a promise that when you give your life away to someone else, God brings the blessing back on you. I want a blessing. How about you? I do. Third thing, transcendent thread. Freedom, blessing. The third thing is found in John, New Testament, John chapter 5 I think it's chapter 5 we'll find out here in a minute it's so fun when you listen to people turn uh, the pages on their phone so quiet John chapter 5 verse 19 and 20 I love this passage because this is for us this morning Jesus said to them truly truly I say to you the son could do nothing on his own accord, ponder. Jesus could do nothing on his own accord. That's powerful. But only what he sees the Father doing. How many understand that takes intimacy? You've got to know the Father's voice if you're going to obey the Father's voice. But only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likely. Verse 20, for the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And here you go. Greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. What a great word. Marvels in the Bible. When we walk in freedom, you walk in the blessing of God. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I am filled to spill. Whatever I've got, I want to give away to someone. That, that, that person that doesn't know God, that misfit, that outsider, that outcast, I want to touch their life. I love the premise of a carpe diem lifestyle. Every single day, you can be a blessing to someone. Seize the moment. Be Jesus to someone. This third idea of flowing is learning that when you walk intimately with God, you learn how to flow with him. You learn how in the moment he speaks to you and goes, right now, stop what you're doing. I want you to go. And I want you to give that person a hug. What? Are you kidding me? That's just stupid. They're going to think I'm an idiot. Go do it. No, go. No, go. Okay. And you go and you hug the smelliest, dirtiest disgusting homeless person you've ever met all the while Jesus is smiling through you 
because they need to know the love of God. You say, well, you don't know. You know, they take advantage of the system. So? Not for us to judge. It's for us to hear. I didn't say every single homeless person. It says that Jesus only did what the Father was doing. You okay? Last thing. Freedom, blessing, flowing. The fourth, transcendent. I want you to get that word transcendent. These are things that go beyond the ordinary. The fourth thing is this idea found in John chapter, I'm going to go back to four, I think. One sec. Silence is okay. It's not going to kill us. Shh. That's funny. This fourth thing, I'll have to, I'll have to bring it back to you. It's, it's, it's the it's the knowing intimacy with God part. It's the woman at the well it's when Jesus came to that well and he met a Samaritan woman. How many know that Jesus and the Samaritan woman should not have been talking? Not only was there a problem there, but he was a male, she was a female, she was a Samaritan. He was a, and he asked her for a cup of water. And from that experience, Jesus began to prophesy, began to speak over her life and told her things that no one else would know. There's a when you walk intimately with Jesus, there's a knowing that comes. There's a knowing about what, what he's speaking about in the moment. You say, well, I don't know if I could love that misfit, that outsider, that outcast. But there's a knowing that comes when you're in intimacy with God. You learn how to flow with him. You know how to love. You know how to respond. You know how to be obedient. You know how to love a Samaritan. See, cultivating a missional life means that these four transcendent threads need to be interwoven in your life. Learn in the moment. You're not going to do all four at the same time, but there's moments when you just need to, you just need to, you know, because you're blessed, you just go, well, I bless you in Jesus' name. Go. Take what I have. It's just water. It's not going to. Right? Maybe all I have is a dollar. I try to keep some cash in my, my truck, just coins. And when I pull up next to someone, just give them a little bit, whatever I have. I'm not trying to make, I'm just saying, when we learn how to walk in freedom and not bondage, we learn how to walk in freedom and take dominion over the things we've been authority over, then this world that we live in cannot dictate what you do and how you live your life. You are living by the dictate and mandate of a heavenly father said, I came to this earth to destroy the works of the evil one. What will we do to destroy those works? We will do it by living these transcendent threads. I'm going to be free to do what God calls me to do. I'm going to be a blessing. I am going to be a person who understands my authority. I'm going to walk in the knowledge of God, and I'm going to be a son who helps others get set free. It's time for the church, us, to live this kind of missional life. 
it's time for us to step into that place. And I don't mean this to be critical. It's going to sound that way because I'm the same way. But for us to stop being selfish in, in, in our, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And I don't want, Pastor Josh can forgive me for saying this, I don't want you here 100%. We need, we need the church, us, to be in the marketplace. We need you to be in that place where you're loving the person that, no, I, I'm not going to be there with you. Jesus is calling this church to a missional lifestyle. He's calling us to, 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 to not only expose the darkness, but to destroy the works of darkness. Satan has had his, his, his day for way too long. And it's time for the church of Phoenix banner church to take a stand and for us to go you know what Lord I'm going to spend more time thinking and praying into this idea of living something that's beyond my, my, my comprehension I'm going to live the way you've destined me I'm going to live the way you've crafted me and created me in my mama's womb and listen I'm going to say this if, if you're in a job where you're completely unfulfilled let's have a conversation maybe it's time for transition Maybe you're in a job, but it's, you, you, it's a good job. It's a good paying job. You've got benefits, and you're okay with that, but you don't know what your missional part is. Let's talk about it. Let's get you on the road to finding the fulfillment that God has called us all to and to live higher than we currently are. He's called us to things greater than we ever understand. Let's stand together. Ben, if you guys want to come up real quick. Holy Spirit, I just pray that in the remaining moments that I, I know I know me, I know my speaking, I know, Father, I've learned years ago that you speak through me things I didn't say. And I just trust this morning that there was something in this place that someone heard that they needed to hear. Whether it's what I planned or not, whether it's what I taught or not, I don't care. I just want people to hear what you need them to hear and then out of that hearing would be an obedience to say yes to your voice. God, I thank you for Banner Church. I thank you that our future is greater than our past. I thank you, God, that we're going to be establishing a hub of kingdom activity right in the heart of Mace on Main Street, two blocks down from a temple. I pray, God, we would become a living tabernacle of your glory and your presence. I pray, God, that we would begin to live so missional and so intent on being who you've called us to be that people would become believers in you without even trying. They would walk up to us and go, tell me how to become a Christian. Tell me how to follow Christ. And all we have to say is just believe. Repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now, God, come in all of your glory, come in all of your splendor, come in all your power and might over every person in this room. And God, speak to us about how we can live the way that you call us to live. This does not in any way indict anyone in the room that they're living a life of sin. I don't know everyone's life, but I'm saying God's calling us higher to a life on purpose to a life on mission so that we can live and experience John 10.10. 10. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. 
We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.